What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Can you help? Can you help me? Can you help? Can you help? Can you help me? Can you help? What's up, everybody? Welcome to Self Helpless. I'm Delaney Fisher. And I'm Kelsey Cook. And uh, the lovely Taylor Tomlinson will be joining us for next week's episode. We're about to record that shortly. Yes. Today, we have such an amazing guest. Amanda Hill is with us today. She is a finance coach who helps entrepreneurs get their finances in order. But today, we're going to be talking about her as a 12-step program advocate and supporter of women in sobriety. And this interview, oh my gosh, it was just so good. I mean, she, she not only gives us an overview of the 12 steps, but she actually gets into specific steps that she took and how she, you know, how, how she ended up in a 12-step program. And she is just an open book. This is something that was, I think, just such a powerful interview. So without Such further ado, yes. yes, without further ado, here is Amanda Hill. Amanda Hill, welcome to Self Helpless. <laughs> it's so great to have you. Thank you. It's good to be here. <laughs> Yay. So before Yay. we get into the meat of this juicy, juicy the episode, um, do you have a favorite or least favorite quote that you would like to share with us? I do. Um, my favorite quote is by Glennon Doyle. Um, and it says, I'll read the just really short version. It says, this life is mine alone. So I've stopped asking people for directions to places they have never been. Oh, oh, oh I'm holding on to my desk for that right? one. Can right? you say that one more time? I'm yes. <laughs> this life is mine alone. So I've stopped asking people for directions to places they have never been. Oh my God. That needs wow. to be written right. everywhere. I'm like, get head. it tattooed on my forehead or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. That is so good. That I'm so glad so y'all like it too. Cause I, when I read that, I was just like, Ooh, like that's, that's why I've, I've been so frustrated with the world around me. It's like, I'm asking them to solve problems that are like uniquely mine and uniquely based in my life and experience. And right. yeah, go, go inward, listen to your intuition, go yep. internal. I love that. Go deep. Yeah, that's, a, that's one of my favorites I've heard in a while. Yes. Me too. One of the best pieces of advice I was ever given was, I think I've mentioned before that Alex Borstein, who's the voice of Lois on Family Guy, she's on Mad TV, Marvelous Mrs. Yes. Maisel, she's amazing. Um, early on in stand-up, I did a show with her and I asked if she had any advice for me. And she said, my advice for you is to don't take too much advice. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I love that because it's so true. You can really get swept up in too many other people's opinions and too many other people's advice and then lose track of what your own gut tells you to do and your own instincts. 
Yeah. It's a good one to remember. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's even like with the way that I coach my clients is like, look, it's not a one size fits all experience. That's why I love the one-to-one format so much is because everybody is super unique and needs an individualized, you know, uh, approach to what they're doing. So yeah. I love that very much. Well, Amanda, would you, um, can you kind of share about uh, your your background a little bit and what led you to, you know, your first 12-step program? Yeah. So um, I'll try to keep it brief because it can be a little bit of a winding story. But um, yeah, so I I live in Dallas. I grew up here um, and had like a pretty happy childhood, like nothing horrible happened, but I always had this, I always struggled with anxiety and depression. That was always a part of my story. Um, and when I got to about high school age, um, I started to realize that if I drank alcohol, those unpleasant feelings started to ease, or I started to get a little reprieve from what was going on inside my head. Um, and once I got a taste of it, I just ran full steam ahead. Like, full steam. Um, luckily I never got into any hard drugs. (laughs) Thank goodness. Um, but alcohol was like a kryptonite for me. Like I would drink until I blacked out often. Like that was what you thought the weekends were. We're just a time to get with friends and all black out and have these insane stories. Um, and so in, in college, I was miserable. I went to kind of a rural school and growing up in Dallas, like it just wasn't, I missed the city and I missed like being there. So, um, I just drank it all away and just, that was what I did on the weekends and luckily got a good, good GPA, got to graduate, graduate and come here back to Dallas and had a job in finance and, when you're in like large corporate America and they have those unlimited budgets and they're like, go, go take out clients, go, go have a happy hour on the house. I mean, it was just booze all the time. And, um, I just got completely swept up in it. And luckily at the time I was dating a guy who was really courageous and wouldn't let me just black out and forget everything. Like if I was, mean or, um, you know, vindictive or angry or whatever the drama was in my blackout, he was, he would sit me down the next morning and be like, no, you need to know what you said. You need to know what you did because we're all still living with it and you just get to black it out. Oh, wow. Which was the worst thing. I hated it. I absolutely hated it but it allowed me to not get away with it for very long. Like I got, I got sober six days after I turned 25 and I've been five years sober now. So I'm like giving away my age, but (laughs) it was, it was pretty early relative to a lot of my friends and a lot of people that I knew. Um, but because he kept showing me what I was doing that, you know, although I didn't experience the external consequences that you would normally anticipate with drinking, like I was dying inside. Like I was so unhappy with who I was. I was so unhappy with the fact that we could go to dinner and my friends just wanted two glasses and I was flabbergasted that they didn't want two bottles each. Um, And so when I was 25, I Googled 12 step for alcohol. You can, you can, put two and two together and guess which one. But um, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't know anyone that was sober. And so I didn't, like all of my friends still drank really heavily. You know, my, my family drank, my boyfriend at the time's family drank. And so I just Googled it, found a meeting that was the next day and went and walked in by myself. And when I walked into that meeting, like I heard people that thought the way I thought And I had never heard that before. Like the people who were like, so an example that I think of is when I, so on my last day of drinking, of course it was a day. It wasn't just a night. My boyfriend at the time was telling me to slow down. And I basically said, screw you. I'm going to drink as much as I want to drink. And we were at dinner and we were drinking like nicer wines because, you know, we were bougie and that's how we said that we weren't alcoholics was because we only drank nice wine. <laughs> um, and as soon as I started drinking the champagne, 
he stopped me and was like, something in your eyes just changed. Like something changed. And I now know that like you, your top priority tonight is getting more alcohol. And I felt like, you know, in Finding Nemo, when the shark is like, fish are friends, not food. And then he smells blood and his eyes go black. And it's like, that's all he wants. Mm. That's what I was like. And he called it out. And I never had anyone call that out, but I was like, you're right. I'm, if you try to tell me to drink less, I'm going to just say go home or I'm going to find people that will allow me to drink the way I want to. And I'd never been confronted with that before. And so it was just, you know, there wasn't any big, like I got a DUI or, you know, I got arrested or I lost my job or I lost my family. It was just a little, a, a lot of little bitty cuts that were so defeating that I couldn't control alcohol the way I wanted to and the way my control freak perfectionist self had controlled everything up till that point. It was so demoralizing that I was like, screw this. Like I need some sort of help because I have exhausted all methodologies and I cannot seem to find that stop or slow down button that everyone else seems to have, but I can't find. Wow. Yeah, it takes so much courage to go to one of those meetings by yourself, I would imagine, you know? Yeah, I was terrified. Yeah. I was terrified. But that's, it's, when I think back on it, it's like, yes, I'm, I'm proud of that 25-year-old self that did that. But also, I'm like, that's how broken I felt. That I was like, anything is better than sitting here feeling the way I'm feeling now. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's so Did, interesting. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kelsey. No, go ahead, Del. I was going to say, because you hear a lot about like people's rock bottom stories where it's like, there is no choice, you know, like they yeah. do something like something really horrible or tragic happens. And it's like, you got to go. There's no, there's no other option. That's it. And yeah. so it's interesting for you to have not kind of hit that quote unquote big rock bottom, but was were able to recognize that this is an issue if I don't if I don't start paying attention to this now. Yeah. And so I think that is, um, I don't know if we hear about that much, that as much, honestly, you know, where it's yeah. like, it's just those little things that add up and kind of, kind of, you know, evolve that way. And we're like, this is just kind of a dull feeling mm-hmm. every day that I don't want to have anymore. Yeah. You know? um, and I mean, it's, it was, if I'm honest with myself, which is always hard to do when it comes to like my drinking war stories, but I, I wasn't just like a casual, she turns a little bit unpleasant when she drinks. Like I was a monster, like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Like I was always angry. I had so many feelings that I hadn't ever processed. I was so mad at the world that I, I would enter into drinking being like, we're going to party and we're going to have fun. And then all of that anger that I'd never processed would come out and I would just be mad at everyone. I would just, especially when I was blacked out, like I was just mean, like it was just mean. And I would wake up seeing that I had, and hearing that I had said something awful to my best friend or my mother or my boyfriend at the time. Like, and it was so different from how I felt when I was sober that it was scary. Like it was startling. And it wasn't that, you know, this is causing me mild discomfort. Like I would not have given up alcohol for anything less than what I thought was absolutely necessary. And so when I was so startled by my behavior that, I mean, like my last night of drinking, I almost cheated on my boyfriend and I got found out thankfully. And it, it all kind of, you know, came to a head, but the next day when, when he's sitting in front of me being like, what the hell was that? And I didn't have an answer for it. It was really unsettling. And so much so that I felt like I was no longer, I was ruining the relationships around me and it was completely outside of my control. And that was really scary to be in that, in that situation. So there's the, the, they call it a high bottom when you don't have, when your rock bottom is relatively low consequences, but you know, me being 
always feeling different from other people and really valuing my personal connections with my loved ones, knowing that those were off felt like death. You know, it felt life-threatening to know that everyone in my family was scared and my friends were confused and my boyfriend at the time was at the end of his rope. It just felt like, you know, that, that might've been more of a wake up call than waking up in jail if everyone else was still behind me. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And you talked about how uh, a lot of the reason you started drinking was to try and escape that feeling of anxiety and depression. I have found for, for myself that mornings after I drink, my anxiety is so much worse. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because you, I understand what you're saying that during the feeling of, uh, I'm stressed out and anxious. If I have a drink right now, it's going to kind of take the edge off. And it always does. I mean, I always feel more relaxed after a drink, but the next morning it's, that's how I think it can become that vicious cycle for some people that you're like, well, now it's that much worse. So I'm going to drink more. And it's so hard. Absolutely. And then you add like a physical hangover on top of the emotional hangover. And it's just like, how do I get out of this? Oh, start drinking again. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so you mentioned, um, that you were, you were with a boyfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. And before we started recording, you also, you, you said that you went to um, one of the meetings that is for people who, um, are with somebody mm-hmm. with alcohol problems. Um, yeah. can you talk about that more and what led you to doing that? If that was during that specific relationship? Yeah. So, um, the, the relationship that I was in ended shortly after I got sober, they say, don't make any changes within your first, first year. And I like, moved out of our apartment, broke up with the guy, was living on my friend's couch, like basically needed a whole life overhaul. And um, it, it was interesting because I think if I had kept going in that relationship, that would have been a reason why I would have wanted to go into that, the, you know, co-program. Um, right. it's, if, if anyone's confused, you know, there's a program, a 12 step program for alcohol, and then there's a 12 step program for those impacted by someone that has an addiction with alcohol. Um, and the underlying addiction within that ancillary program is codependence. And I actually started when I met my now husband, like a year after I had gotten sober, I realized that although I wasn't acting impulsively with alcohol anymore, I was acting extremely impulsively in my romantic relationship. Mm. Since I had, I'd gotten out of that relationship so soon, I didn't have any practice with setting healthy boundaries or, you know, right-sized expectations of others. I just, I mean, was like love addict on him. And he rightfully was like, what the hell? Like I am suffocating right now. Your expectations are too high. You get mad too easily. I don't understand. And I realized that codependence was most appropriately what was fitting. Like I just transferred addictions essentially. Um, And so that program was huge because here in Dallas, there's a group that's both. And so it was a lot of, since, since alcoholism is typically a family disease, 
Like it's usually born out of trauma or someone in your family has it or, you know, something, something's happened in your life to lead you down that path. Um, a lot of people, especially women fit in both. And so that, I mean, that helped me to realize that not only could I not control my alcohol intake, but I also couldn't control others alcohol intake or, you know, if my, if my boyfriend now husband at the time had a drink, it wasn't to spite me or, you know, to, to make me feel jealous. It was like, he has a normal relationship with alcohol. He can have one and put it down. And although I don't understand how he, he has that, he has that stop button. That's just natural. So he doesn't, he hasn't drank all of his alcohol for a lifetime before they're 25, you know, like he's been moderating. So he's, he hasn't abused it. He can continue to drink. And so, um, getting in that side program that I don't work as often as I work the one regarding alcohol was really helpful to see how the, the addictive mentality or like that, that compulsive nature of, I feel something, I need something to soothe myself. Um, was going to become more prevalent in other areas if I didn't actually find a solution. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, can I ask, you know, when you started that journey, mm-hmm. did you kind of find what it was that was kind of leading you down these roads? Are you able to kind of share a little bit about those, any kind of breakthroughs that you had or? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a few pieces of it. Um, I think for me addressing underlying family trauma that I didn't realize was traumatic. Um, I thought trauma was, you know, these horribly abusive situations that you hear about. And it's really, it's trauma is based on your body's response to what's happening to you. Not, you know, this rating scale that's like, it's under a six. You can't be traumatized by that. It's, it's any spectrum. Yeah. So much, there's so much between here and here that is traumatizing. And it's based on, it's based on your reaction to it. And so what I was realizing was, you know, like I grew up with a brother that had Tourette's and a dad that drank more than he probably should have. Who knows if he's an alcoholic, that's kind of up to him to decide. And a mother that we now know was struggling with codependence. And so all of that created this environment that had these undercurrents of toxicity that I didn't realize. You know, I could look at, I'm like, my parents are still together. They, everyone loves each other. It's, it's fine that there's yelling sometimes, you know, like you didn't, you didn't really think twice about it. And then when I started to actually dive in and I did trauma therapy, I started to realize how much I had internalized any little bit of instability in the household as my responsibility. Mm-hmm. And that led and it basically to perfectionism and this inability to handle low feelings or, you know, ride the roller coaster of emotion and realize it's going to pass. It's, it's just an emotion. It's going to pass. I would just cling to it all and um, then couldn't let it go. So I drank to black it out. Um, but I do know kind of in, in line with the 12 steps, what a lot of people don't know is that the 12 steps are actually a spiritual program and not, not a lot of people understand that it's not religious by any means. It's just about identifying a power greater than you as like a guide in your life, whether that's universe or trees outside or a balloon named Fred, like whatever it is that helps <laughs> guide you. And I realized that when I, when I got sober, I realized that I was really actually agnostic. I wasn't, I thought up, I grew up thinking I was something and then realized that, Oh, actually, no, I don't rely on a higher power for any part of my life. And so a lot of the world's problems felt like they were right on my shoulder and I had to figure them out when really no one's asking me to do that. You know, that that's not an appropriate amount of responsibility, but I was taking it on. So everything felt like it was the end of the world, that it was such a big deal because I had nothing, no power bigger than me in any way. Like I thought that I was the center of the universe. And so it just, when I, when I was able to right size that, 
and realize that there, there is a power greater than myself, even if it's like the wind or the sun that rises and sets every night, you know, so there's something bigger than me. It was a, I was able to let go of things a little bit more easily, um, and relinquish control of the things that I didn't actually have control of to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's powerful Uh-oh. stuff too. I, I, um, I relate to that, you know, I'm, I'm agnostic as well. And so I always think of just like, okay, there's energy out there. There's some yeah. stars and shit, you know, there's love <laughs> and friends and family. So yeah. that's kind of what I'm here for. I don't really know what it looks like yeah. or, you know, I wouldn't be able to describe it in, in human words, but yeah, you know, something. And I think that's an, I think that's important for people to know that they can have a higher power of some kind, even if they're, they don't put themselves into some of these other you know, what they might feel is a box that they don't fit in. Yeah, exactly. In the, in the 12 steps, I have my little cheat sheet here because there are, you know, knowing them and doing them is different than memorizing them. But (laughs) there's step three is turning your will over to the care of God as you understand him. And that to me is like, I have, I have friends in my 12 step group that are like, God for me is good orderly direction. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. They talk about that, that in the artist's way too. I love that. Yeah. And that's, and that's his higher power. Like sometimes the group is a higher power because that's bigger. It's bigger than you. It's anything outside of yourself. And so it doesn't, you know, there's no religion affiliated with, with the 12 steps. There's no, well, but you need to understand it this way. It's whatever your conception of anything bigger than yourself, that's going to keep you sober. Great. Yeah. 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 Great. Um, I have a question. Kelsey, do you have any questions? I was going to ask. No, go yeah, ahead. Maybe. Go for another one. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think a lot of people are familiar about like, you know, some of the overview of like what the steps are, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's talked about enough, like the specific steps people take in each step, like for themselves. Yeah. And would you be able to tell us a little bit about like, you know, yeah, the, the overview, but what are some steps that you actually took? Yes. You know, whether it's talking to having a hard conversation or whatever it would be. I think that would be fascinating to, to hear. Yes. And I could talk about this for hours. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep it short. Um, but essentially the 12 steps for me are like guidelines for how not to be a dick, <laughs> <laughs> like to get over myself and to start thinking of other people and to be a better person. I mean, that's really what they are. So there are 12 steps. The first part is basically like steps. I'm just going to give you an overview and then I'll get into some that are actually were really difficult for me. Um, But one, two, and three are like, you're powerless over whatever it is, alcohol, the weather, you know, wherever the 12 steps can be applied to anything. You're, you're powerless over things that you can't control. You believe that a higher power of whatever, you know, decision you make, can control those things or has influence in your life and you're willing to stop trying to control things that you can't control. So like that's one, two, and three. There's no like actual steps, like writing associated with them. Step four is made a fearless and searching moral inventory, which is a bitch to do (laughs) because it is, I mean, it's the most humbling experience because you write down, like for me, it was writing down all of the people that had wronged me and what they had done. So it's like a, it's like a four, imagine four columns, right? Column number one is who you're mad at. Like I am mad at Kelsey. And then column two is like, what did she do? She had really pretty hair today. And I'm mad about that. Column three is how it impacted me. Well, if she has pretty hair, then my hair doesn't look as pretty. So that impacts my self-esteem. And then column four. I'm just going to log off and yeah. you guys finish. If I could just leave, that'd be great. And then, or like put your hair in a ponytail or something. Yeah. You start buzzing. <laughs> I would feel much better if you did. Thank Do you. A DIY My codependency comes out. I'm like, well, I don't want to lose friends. So. <laughs> I need to get rid of it. It's fine. Exactly. I don't need it. Yeah. And so the fourth column is what is my part in that? And I realized that in all of these situations, like I have unreasonable expectations for Kelsey. 
or I am, I have codependent feelings towards Kelsey where if she thrives, I can't. And you start to realize that so much of your anger is based on things that are inside of you. You know, like there, there are times when, when you're genuinely wronged, like people do stuff that is shitty and, and that's a different story. But like my, my boyfriend at the time had been married before and I genuinely on my third column of like how it affected me, I was like, he should have known that his wife wasn't the right person and he should have waited for me. Like it's insane. And as soon as you realize that, Oh, that's why I'm mad. Oh, that's why I, I took her glance and thought it was a personal indictment against me and have been hanging on to this, you know, ugly look someone gave me for two years. Like you realize so much of your stuff is like in your head or is just based on, on your perception of the world. It's not, in, in my personal situation, I wasn't giving people the grace to make mistakes. I was expecting perfection and apparently omnipotence from most people around me. Um, and I, I realized that so much of what I was doing was contributing to how wronged I was in the world around me. And yeah. so working that step, like it's, you write down everyone that everyone that you're mad at or everyone that you're frustrated with or everyone that they, they, there's a little saying that's like the grocery store test where if you were walking down the other end of the grocery store aisle from them, if you turn and walk away, you write down their name. Like (laughs) there's someone that you need to do some sort of inventory on because there's something there. Oh gosh. That's that's not. Oh, what a good tool that is. Right. (laughs) It's, it will create a lot more work for yourself because you'll be like, ah, shoot, them too. Yep, <laughs> them too. Wow. Yep. This sounds like a good exercise for literally everybody to do, Seriously. whether you're in a 12-step program or not. It really is. Mm-hmm. And like, it, even just being able to identify why I'm mad at someone or what's that feeling, because I will, I'm like the queen of resentments. Like, I will, I will not address something until, you know, it just builds and builds and builds and builds and then I'll explode. Yeah. And that is so toxic <laughs> to your own well-being to have all of these, you know, um, I don't, I don't know what the right word for it is, but all of these tensions between yeah. you and so many people, whether they know about it or not, like you're operating, you're keeping score in your mind. Yeah. You're operating in the world like that. And, and that weighs you down a lot. It weighed me down a ton. And so being able to get that all on paper and not just say, yeah, screw them. But like, oh, I had a part in this too. Oh, I didn't communicate that as well as I thought I, sh- I might have done better in that. Um, oh, I didn't, you know, I'm holding on to that expectation of someone probably too much. Or I have, you know, I expect my parents to be perfect and not just people doing their best. Yeah. You know, and being able to move through that and actually see your part in it is really powerful. Yeah. That yeah. Is- I need to do that. I need to do that. I need to do that too. Yeah. Oh, grocery yeah. cart trick. Yeah. So any, basically anybody who you wouldn't stop and chat with and yes. say hi to, you're like, shit, you're going on the list, baby. Go on the list. That's because <laughs> there's something you got to work through. Whole new meaning yeah. to grocery list. Am I right? Mm-hmm. But I'm, yep. I'm going to start <laughs> calling my fourth step the grocery list. I had to get, <laughs> get, get my dad joking. Yeah. Get out. You're done. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that was step four, Amanda? That was step four. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, and then step five is, was kind of when every, there are a few steps that were really mind-blowing for me. Step four and five were those mind-blowing experiences because step five is where you sit down with a sponsor or someone you trust and you tell them everything you wrote down. (laughs) It is not pretty. Let me tell you, it is not pretty. I sat down with a sponsor who, thank God, was the exact right person that I needed to be with because she was like, nothing you say is going to shock me. Like nothing that you've done, nothing that you've thought about is going to shock me. And she meant it. But the whole time I'm sharing these really embarrassing, you know, ways that I've thought, she's writing down words. And what I realized at the end is that she's written down everything that she thinks is a character defect, which is like your particular bend towards humanity. So like, selfishness or greed or vanity or whatever. So she's writing down all of these words as I'm doing it. And that it, yeah, it leads you to the next step, which is basically where you look at your own character, character defects and you like ask your higher power to remove them or ask the universe to remove them or, you know, something bigger than yourself to like relieve you of those because you see through that fourth step, how toxic they can be when you've got like your pride running all over the place and your vein and you also have an ego problem and, you know, all of those things just become so toxic that being able to take responsibility for them and then say like, okay, I'm ready to be done with these. Yeah. Is, is huge. Wow. Are you able to reveal some of the things that she had written down or is that a personal? Oh, no, all of them. Think of, think of any bad word. And it was, that was what I was doing. And it was like the people, there's this thing in the 12 step program that I work where it's like, if you've spot it, you've got it. So like, if I'm sitting there going like, Oh my God, that girl is so selfish. It's probably because I want to be selfish and she's kind of impinging on that. And so it's, the people on my list that I was like, well, they're just the worst. And I did nothing wrong because they're just awful. My sponsor was like, yeah, you're very similar to them. Like you are, you are actually like, that's your own junk, like recognizing itself in someone else saying like, Oh no, I don't, I don't like that. But you can't see it within yourself. You can only see it in other people. So like selfishness, like ego, self-esteem issues, um, well, again, like every, every bad thing that you can think of appeared somehow on my fourth and fifth step. Wow. That's, it was not pretty. Thank you for pretty. being so open yeah, with us, by the way, you know, shit, dude. If you, if you spot it, you've got it. I love, I'm just like chalking these away. I'm, yeah. I'm making mental notes of all of these because it's, yeah, it's, um, it's so good. It's just such good reminders. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that my experience could be a good reminder for you (laughs) as I'm sitting here telling you like all the horrible things, but it was, it was, it's really, it's not that bad when you look at it as, okay, I'm trying to leave this behind. Yeah. Not saying you are vain or you are codependent or you, it's, this is like your natural bend right now. And we're going to learn how to move through it. Yeah. yeah. We're going to include something bigger than yourself to help with the process. And we're going to do work. Like the next steps are also hard work to make sure that they don't show up as often yeah. and they don't have as much power. And then it's not, it's like, I relate it to like, if you have celiac disease and you can't have gluten yet, you've been eating muffins and bread and brownies and all of this shit for years. And all of a sudden someone comes in and is like, oh no, you, you have a gluten allergy. You shouldn't be eating gluten. It's like, that's the answer. Like, right. That's the answer. And then you can make a change and like probably still have birthday cake once a year, but like, you're not going <laughs> to mess with gluten. 
Right. It makes you sick when you're like that, especially if you have a substance that you're abstaining from and not just like overeaters anonymous or codependence anonymous, but you actually have like a substance. It's, it's really easy to say like, okay, this is all a part of leaving this behind, you know, like it's still going to, obviously we're human. It's going to crop up. It's going to come back at times, but you don't have to be a slave to it anymore. Right. You like learn how to manage it better when you can recognize it. Yeah. And when you identify it and it's like the worst people to deal with are the people who don't think they do anything wrong. Right. So by identifying what you like naturally, what you tend to do wrong, you can be much more humble, much easier to be around, much easier to like and quicker to resolve it when it happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've talked before about, um, your shadow self, which is very similar to the stuff in step four. Um, and it's interesting to me, it seems like a lot of us get into that mindset of focusing so much on, um, like, well, this is how I want people to see me and I'm going to, I'm just going to work out more. I'm going to try and be better at my job or have a better body, but we don't ever really want to take a peek at what's going on in the shadow self and maybe work with those things Mm -hmm. to improve ourselves. We just want to look at like the shinier stuff that maybe isn't so triggering or painful, but the shadow self is where uh, the real shit is. Yeah. Okay. So let me take you to the next few steps and the address is just that it's brutal, but so good. Um, Okay. So after we have identified our character defects and asked your higher power to help you remove them, you make a list of every single person that you've wronged, which is usually starting with the grocery list. You can start with those people and make a list of like everything that you did to hurt other people. Oh, wow. And then you make amends to them. Every single person. Oh my gosh. Can you please share what that specifically may have looked like? Yes. So, okay. So there are a few caveats. One is like when, when you're approaching an amends process, like there are certain amends that it is wildly inappropriate for you to contact that person. Mm. Like that's Mm. why working this with a sponsor or with like a trusted person who can guide you through it is so helpful because they were able to say like, Hey, don't contact your ex-boyfriend. Like that's going to cause more harm than good. Or, you know, I I know that you really hurt this person, but they're, they're still dealing with something. So why don't you wait a little bit before talking to them? Um, And it's, you're trying to basically clean up your side of the street, but never at someone else's expense. And so it's really, really helpful to have guidance when you're doing this. But the amends process for me was one of the most freeing wonderful experiences and also brutal that I've ever been through ever because you're working these steps and you're in the weeds of your own like shit, you know, you're just, you're in it. And nine times out of 10, when you approach someone and you're like, Hey, I'd love to sit down with you. Can we grab coffee? I'd really love to like apologize to you or, you know, talk to you about something, whatever, however you phrase it. Um, my, my sponsor advised me to like, give them a little heads up that that's what you're going to be doing. And don't just blindside them. Like say like, Hey, I'm working a program of recovery and this amends process is a big part of it. And I really love to make amends to you and sit down nine times out of 10. The person was so gracious, was so kind. And I walked away knowing like I can run into them anywhere and we're going to be okay. And, and I, the I the yeah, like yeah. Changed. And so like how, how I did it under the advisement of my sponsor was like, so I made a list of all, all the things that I had done wrong to these people, especially around my drinking. Like one that was really brutal was like my mom, like in Delaney, you know, my mom, she's the sweetest person in the entire world. And I had to go to her and basically say, Hey, you remember when I did this, when I was blacked out, like, Case in point, she drove, when I was in college, she drove three hours down to my university to volunteer as like a poker dealer at one of our sorority events. And I got blacked out at the pregame, stumbled getting onto the bus. And my sorority was like, nope, you're not going. 
So I went home, threw up all like everywhere. Like it was awful. And then someone had to go to my mom at the event and say, Hey, your daughter's not going to make it because she's blacked out at home, like sick as a dog. And so I had to go to her and say, Hey, do you remember when you came down and spent all that time to be with me? And I didn't even show up. And then I was sick the whole weekend. I want to make that right. Like, what can I do? And not just, "Mm, sorry, but like, I want to make this right. What can I do to make amends for what I did? And my mom is, was just like, just don't drink, just don't drink ever again. And like, we'll be good. But you know, there were people that were like, Hey, just don't treat anyone else that way. Or, you know, buy my coffee or whatever their amends (laughs) was, was, it was like nine times out of 10, it was so gracious and, um, so understanding that it, it gave me hope for people and for myself. It gave me a renewed sense of confidence that I didn't have all these tensions with other people. Um, it gave me also a lot of confidence from being courage, courageous, you know, like from having that courage where you're like, Oh, you know, I did, I just did something really brave. And now I'm, I'm able to actually like feel like a different person and feel like I'm actually coming out on the other side of this. Um, and I, I mean, like I had people that were like, no, I don't want to meet with you. Like, I, I don't ever want to see you again. I was like, okay, that's, that, that's your decision, you know, but most people that I met with were so forgiving. were so nice. were so grateful that I had, I was getting better. Like so grateful that I wasn't drinking myself into an oblivion anymore. Um, And then I had some friends that were like, okay, so now do I need to apologize to you for when you held my hair and I blacked out or, you know, like when you drank with your friends so much, they're like, okay, but then like I did that to you. And it's really about your side of the street. It's about you making amends and cleaning up the shit that you did when you were drinking or when you were, you know, just self-centered and only focused on your own gains and not focused on other people. Wow. Has that, has that made, I mean, exercising that kind of muscle, Mm -hmm. like those, those really big conversations, has that made kind of like confrontations or, or bigger, you know, harder conversations? Is that, is, has that been easier for you going forward because you've done it before and you feel like I've done the worst with conversations. So, you know, how's that affected? That's a good question. And I've, I'd love for my answer to be different than the one I'm going to give, but it's made it easier, but it's still not easy. Like my drinking was so obviously egregious that it was very easy to say, I'll never do that again because black and white, I don't ever want to drink again with natural things that come up like selfishness or stubbornness or just wanting to be right that's really hard to say like, yep, nope, that's in the past. And I can apologize for it because I'm never going to do that again. It's like, no, I'll probably do that in an hour. Like, (laughs) you know, like there's no, you're not, it's not black and white. And so it's, it's made it easier to be humble, but I still often get into that point of like, well, but, but I didn't, let me explain to you why what I did wasn't actually that bad. And I try to logic it away instead of just saying, yep, that was bad. That was a bad move. And I'm really sorry about that. What can I do to make this better? That's still, it's still hard for me because I don't, my pride, I don't want to be selfish and I don't want to, you know, talk over someone or um, like I'm thinking of fights with my husband and he doesn't have the same kind of selfishness that I I'm working with, but, um, I'll try to explain my point and try to, you know, dominate some situation that I think I'm right in. And, and he just is like, Oh, I'm, you know, he'll apologize for his, his part in it. And it's baffles me, but it's still, it's not quite intuitive yet Yeah. to do yeah. that. Like yeah. I still like where it's intuitive to him to apologize it's not quite intuitive to me yet, but it's much, much easier to identify when an apology is necessary and when an amend is necessary now that I've gone through this program. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, it's kind of like a Marie Kondo, like, you know, when you, you deep clean everything, it's really easy to tell when like something's out of place Mm -hmm. because you've deep cleaned everything. It's kind of the same thing. It's, it's not a hundred percent perfect. Like you'll never have a mess again, but it's easier to see when things are out of whack. Yeah. That's a great analogy. Such a good one. Absolutely. I think we have to wrap up in a few minutes, which sucks because oh I feel like this could be an eight-hour episode. But do yeah. you kind of any other, you know, for the rest of the steps, any of the, the bigger the bigger things you wanted to mention before we... Yeah. Um, I mean, the only other thing, I mean, there's like, you know, 10 and 11 and 12, but the, the 12th step has been really important for me because it's just being of service to others. And, you know, continuing that process of keeping your side of the street clean, but being of service to others was not something that I really naturally did. Like I just was very focused on my rat race that I was running and what I needed to do to succeed. And the whole premise of the 12 step program is like, you have to give it away in order to keep it. Like my sponsor didn't charge me anything to have me sit down with her and guide me through this and hear all of my junk and walk with me. Like we meet once a week, like, paying that forward when you've received that gift is a big part of staying sober and, and keeping kind of the, the wheels moving on that, that spiritual program is giving it back and thinking of others and and being of service where you can. So that's kind of the only other thing that I was like, Oh my gosh, wait, being of service feels really good. (laughs) Yeah. Being a nice person and thinking of others is actually way easier on me than just like, keeping my blinders on and just kind of running my own race. Right. Can you give some examples of how you've been of service since this program? Yeah. I mean, sponsoring other people has been big. Um, Service commitments, like I go to a a 7am meeting every day um, on Zoom and it's my favorite thing in the world besides maybe my my husband and my family. But I mean, it's it's (laughs) lifeblood for me. It is so cool. I love it. And I host like a once a week I'm pulling up the zoom meeting and hosting it. So then other people can join. And then once another day of a week, I'm the host. So I'll like bring the topic and what everyone talks about in the meeting. Um, which by the way, I think I said what my, my affiliation was, but like my, my 12 step group, but that's all. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Gosh, you've been so wonderful. Thank you so yeah. much for everything, Amanda. Seriously. You're welcome. Thank yeah, you for it's, opening up. Of course. I'm, I'm an open book. And if, I, if anyone is curious about how to get sober or how to find a particular 12-step group, like there are 12-step groups for everything. Like every yeah. vice you can think of, there's a 12-step group for them. Um, and I am like happy to talk to anyone that has any questions about it because like I said in the beginning, like when I got, when I got sober, I didn't know anyone that was sober. And so I felt a little bit like a weirdo. So if anyone needs like a sober buddy or, you know, once like there, I can find people in your city. Like I can, you know, the network, the underground networks that are anonymous (laughs) to a lot of the world are very very, very helpful, especially going into the holiday season. So if anyone, where can people find you, Amanda? Yeah. So I'm hello, Amanda Hill.com. And then at hello, Amanda Hill at pretty much everything. Great. But yeah. Wow. This was like so good. And so I just think so relatable. And these are, these are tools that we can all, we can all be implementing, you know, no matter what our vice might be. So this was, yeah. Absolutely. And even if you don't work them all, like, even if you don't, you know, like I obviously staying sober, like I personally need to work them all, but like, even if you just take a little bit and you're like, I'm going to like do some journaling and figure out more of my feelings. And then, you know, that person that I just have this little resentment against, I'm just going to go make an amends to them. You know, it can be really, really helpful, but obviously working it with like a therapist or a sponsor or someone that you can bounce things off of is really, really helpful. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. All well, right. Thank you so much. Of course. Maybe. Thank you for having me. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, have a good day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.
Oh, that was so, so good. She's another one of those guests. We've had so many great guests lately where they could just be on for hours and hours. She had so many good things. So good. Such good analogies with everything. She's so, she was so open about everything. I loved the specifics and, you know, when she really got into the details of what her own process looked like with, with, you know, going through this 12 steps. And she, I, I have the pleasure of having Amanda as one of my clients. We've, she's been one of my clients for over a year now, and she's incredible to work with. And um, I'm also, her mom is one of my clients too. <laughs> Shout out to Janet, who is a really powerful um, speaker. So yeah, I, um, you know, we've, we've talked about this before and she's very, very passionate about helping you know, women in, in sobriety and, and stuff like that. And I, I do want to say Amanda is such a skilled financial coach that if you are an entrepreneur who is looking to get your finances organized and set up and set up for success, if you're in the, like the first year or three years of your business, I highly recommend booking a session with her. She has personally saved me a lot of money and a lot of time and frustration with helping me get my own finances organized. And she's also in the process of a career transition where she is not always going to be able to offer this to people who are kind of new with their business because her, her next step, she's actually going to be helping people who are like multi six figure millionaire type people, um, you know, helping them manage their wealth. So I would book something with her sooner rather than later while she's still available for, for this level of entrepreneur entrepreneurship. So just wanted to give her a plug there. That's awesome. Um, we have an iTunes review of the episode as always. This is from Brittany Greeny. Uh, it says my favorite new podcast. I finally started listening to this podcast and I've fallen in love with it. The girls are so relatable and talk about subjects that I've felt like I've needed in my life. Thank you for being fantastic and fun. Oh, thank you. That is so, <laughs> so nice. nice. Very nice. The iTunes reviews. Thank you. Um, yeah, go leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Pretty please if you haven't yet. Um, do we have uh, some segments still? Yeah, what you got? What you got, Kelsey? I just wanted to recommend some great new TV shows that I've been loving that have uh, just brought so much joy into my heart. <laughs> um, the first is Ted Lasso which is on Apple TV, little life hack. You can do like the free seven-day trial so you don't have to pay for anything if you don't want. Um, There's 10 episodes. I binged them in two days. It stars Jason Sudeikis as an American soccer coach who gets hired um, in England to be coaching uh, soccer over there. And it's so heartwarming and funny and fantastic. Uh, my friend Jamie Lee is one of the producers and writers on it as well. And I just, I can't recommend it enough. It's such a feel good show, especially during this year. So I, I absolutely love it. Ted Lasso and it's been picked up for seasons two and three. So that's, that's oh. when you know, like, that's a good stamp of approval. Uh, if my recommendation isn't doing it for you, just know, like <laughs> just got picked up seasons two and three. And then um, cool. I, I also just started watching Pen15 on Hulu, and uh, that's been hilarious so far. If you're a child of the 2000s like me, well, I was a child in the 90s, but if you were in middle school in the 2000s, it's it's just the best, and it kind of fits what you're about to talk about, Del, with um, that you're you're doing capsule wardrobes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's so fun. They in Pen15, they have replicated that period of time so perfectly with the oh, wardrobe, the music, everything. It's just, it's really fun. And of oh, course there's a new season of uh, great British baking show. So if you love that show, I've been enjoying that as always. Oh, such good recommendations. We need, we need those feel good shows right now more than ever. That's the only thing I'm like willing to watch right now is just anything yes. that makes me feel good. <laughs> That's a nice yes. escape. Um, yeah. So I guess my, my, my good shit, segment is I have put together my first capsule wardrobe with with my stuff um I you know I've been I've been very efficient in my life as far as business and projects and my creative stuff and I have tended to let my personal stuff and like my 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 self-care and the way that I you know treat myself kind of fall to the wayside (laughs) you I 
I have not heard anything about this in the last three years. This is shocking. I know it is quite a shock. So um, I've really been, I have been training myself to really put like taking care of myself, making, making self-care a priority and also like gifting myself things a priority. Cause that hasn't always been, I, I have been caught up in a grind for a very long time of work work until you get to a point where then you can maybe enjoy some shit. And so I'm really trying to get out of that mentality. And I feel like I, I do feel like I have kind of gotten to a point where I'm able to not think that way anymore. And now it's time to really enjoy the decade of over a decade of, of grinding that I did do. And so I have been doing stuff like, doing some interior decorating type things and then, you know, replacing whole, holy clothing and stuff like that, you know, buying myself myself things, getting my nails done when it's, when it's safe and not a lockdown, Um, you know, gonna, gonna be making a hair appointment now that I'm able to do that. Like those types of things um, that don't really come natural to me because that just hasn't been my priority the lot for a, a long time. Anyway, right. so I put um, so the next thing is my style because I've just kind of been taking turns. Okay, what what can I like focus on next? Okay, let me do some interior decorating type stuff. Let me do some self care and get some you know my fucking nails done. done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have never ever tried to be stylish or even thought about what I was wearing ever. And so I started just like looking up YouTube videos on how to make like, wow, how to like make your wardrobe look good <laughs> and, yeah. and what's, what is an easy way to like dress better than what I've been doing. <laughs> and I think I'm on day five or six. So I put a capsule wardrobe together and if you didn't, I didn't know what the hell this meant, but this is just basically, you can make a seasonal wardrobe for yourself that that you know only has like a handful of items but every item just goes together so getting dressed in the morning or whatever is very it feels very effortless because everything matches so I did that and I like put all of my summer clothing away you know that's folded and I can't see it and it's just my winter capsule wardrobe it's very weird I, I like it and um I think yeah I'm on day five or six where I've actually been getting dressed every single day and there's no option to look like you know shit (laughs) there's no no, I had to remove the options to look like you know yeah I was just in my pajamas all day like I have a freaking jean jacket on right now in my bedroom recording this this is not something I usually do so this is something I'm practicing with myself and yeah, I've, I've been taking some pictures of my outfits. So perhaps I'll share at the end oh. of like the month, maybe some favorites. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, but that's what know, I've been doing. Yeah. Uh, I got a ring on. Look at I this. know. My God. I got jewelry on. Accessories? This was actually gifted to me by um, my future mother-in-law. It gave me this beautiful turquoise ring. But yeah, I'm actually like, I put shit together. I really did. I took time. And, and put out jewelry and be like, I'm going to wear these jewelry, this, these jewelries. <laughs> jewelries. <laughs> All right. Well, that's how you know that this is authentic in her not knowing how to dress herself is that she called them the jewelries. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, you yeah. got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've been up to. As it's somebody who has been on walks with you, and been walking behind you and realized <laughs> that I could see your underwear through the giant hole in the asshole part of your leggings and being like, hey, man, this is the- when you get home, I hope you throw these in the trash because they, they aren't clothes anymore. OK, this is like yeah. a cloth bandaid. <sighs> yeah, it's true. It's true. And I, I, I'm asking myself, like, look, I, look, I'm. I'm a CEO of my own business. Like what, what I want to reflect that. I'm not yes. reflecting that very much. And I was, so I, I'm trying to make my out, outer appearance match what's going on 
behind the scenes. And I really, I, I, that's just hasn't been a focus of mine. I'm not somebody who can like, I have a, I have trouble focusing on a bunch of different areas of my life at once. I really have to take it one at a time. Yeah. Like for me, I had to get my business shit in order before moving on to like, okay, now, now I have some mental energy for my clothing. How do we do this? It's actually a lot easier than I, than I thought. So I would, I would recommend like Googling capsule wardrobes and looking at the YouTube stuff and um, yeah, getting those hot tips. Quite fun. We're all have you done one, Kelsey? Aw- I have done capsule wardrobes, yeah. yeah. Um, I, we're all anxiously awaiting your, your hair photos after seeing Malika, so please yes. keep us posted on that. Yes, I will. Yeah. I just want to give one of my awesome clients, Jen Chapman, a shout out. Jen is a holistic nutritionist who specializes in gut health. And we have talked a lot about gut health on this show. So I wanted to make our listeners aware of her. And Jen just rolled out a free meal plan you can get on her website, along with all kinds of other awesome information and recipes on there. She currently offers comp lifestyle consultations as well. So you can meet with her to discuss your health for free. She also has an amazing, inspiring story about her own wellness journey that you can read about on her website. And although she's a plant-based nutritionist, she works with everyone. You don't have to be vegan or plant-based to work with her. She works with everybody and she really just cares about helping people feel better. And on top of like helping people with their gut health, she's also helped people with kidney stones and inflammation. She's just a wizard and I highly recommend meeting with her. She's incredible and kind and knowledgeable and she cares very very deeply for her clients. So you can find her on Instagram at underscore sweet vegan underscore, uh, or you can check out her website, sweetvegan.net and grab her awesome free resources. You can tell her you're a self-helpless listener. And if you are struggling with gut health, um, feel free to reach out and you can meet her. So yeah, I just wanted to, I wanted to let you all uh, know about how wonderful Jen is. That's great. All right. Well, uh, that's uh, that's the episode for today. And we love you all and hope you're staying safe and healthy. And I hope you guys have a great one. Yes. Stay safe. Enjoy your time. All right. Bye, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening to Self Helpless. We really appreciate it and would love anything you can do to help the show grow and get the word out. So if you could leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, that helps us move up the iTunes charts. If you can tell a friend, a coworker, a family member, anybody that you think would love the podcast, you can also screenshot an episode and share it in your Instagram, in your Instagram stories, anything helps. Also, if you want more of the show, if you want bonus episodes, if you want to be able to be more interactive and help choose podcast topics, you can go to patreon.com slash self-helpless and join there. You guys can follow me on Instagram at Kelsey Cook Comedy, on Twitter at Kelsey Cook. You can go to my website, KelseyCook.com, which has links to my online makeup course. You can listen to my album, Savor It, on Spotify and iTunes, and you can watch my foosball web series on YouTube called Wrists of Fury. How about you guys? Where can people find you? You can follow me at Taylor Tomlinson on Instagram and Twitter. My website is ttomcomedy.com. And you can watch my one hour special streaming on Netflix right now called Quarter Life Crisis. Awesome. And you can find me at delaneyfisher.com. That's where you'll find information about my one-to-one consulting and my online courses. So basically, if you're a business owner, podcaster, or comedian, uh, and you're looking to either start those things or grow those things, you can reach out to me for more information. I also have an email list at delaneyfisher.com where I share my favorite tools, tips, treats, and free shit. And then we just want to say a big special thank you to our wonderful editor, Emma Erdbrink, and our fantastic associate producer, Humaira Nuwaz. And you can find everything that we all just mentioned at selfhelplesspodcast.com. 